0: You guys really love each other, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have a, not only to be a part of a church that everyone actually knows your name, and, but actually loves you. And, and it's, so, it's such an honor to pastor a church like this. It really is. So, I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> How many of you say... <laughs> so bad. I'm going to pray for you. All right. <laughs> that was the answer All right. I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood. Because I know today is a word that everyone is going to be blessed with. It's been such a blessing for me to learn what I've learned that I'm going to preach today. As we continue part three, I'm going to end this series next Sunday. But next Sunday is going to be a little different. We're going to end it with Lazarus. So it's going to be an interesting passage. But. This morning, as we talk about, are you a Mary or a Martha? We're going to go to John chapter 11, verse 38 this time. John chapter 11, verse 38. Now we're at the part of the story where Jesus gets to the grave of Lazarus. <clears throat> and the Bible says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with stone rolled across it in its entrance. Row the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha... Everyone say that with me. But Martha... Martha. There you go. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. The smell. It's going to be bad, Lord. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? Didn't I tell you and you will see God. i want going to go back to verse 39. This is what really grabbed my heart. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told. Me. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. And here's what really grabbed me. She told Jesus this. The smell will be terrible. And I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. When God's timing stinks, let's pray. Father, I thank You for this Word. Thank You that we can come together today in church. And Father, as we prepare our hearts to receive Your message, I pray that You would use me to speak it clearly, that we leave here today, With a lot more knowledge and wisdom. And bless this time, I pray, with your presence, Lord, as we discuss why your timing stinks, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we talk about timing. Timing. When God's timing stinks, a lot of us aren't even aware of this. But time was created by God. The Bible says that time is in His hands. He knows the number of days, so it means that He knows how much time you're going to be here on this earth. But ironically, when it comes to time, a lot of us are held in bondage to it. And time controls your life especially when time expires. Let me give you some examples. You open up your fridge. You see some milk there. and You say, "I, I really think I want a glass of milk. And as you grab that beautiful jug of milk, it says, best through September 2020. Instantly, your desire for milk dies. Because you know if you drink that milk, you will die. Instantly, your hope is gone. No one in their right mind, let me make that clear, no one in their right mind is going to look at that milk that says goodbye or best Buy," September 2020. No one is going to read that expiration time and say, well, I think I'll take my chances. I think it still might be good. That time expiration is a clear indication that there's no reason to believe that that milk is going to be good. Time expired. Maybe you book a flight for 9 a.m., but you made a mistake and now it's 9 p.m. And you know it's too late. You know time has expired. But again, no one in their right mind says, you know what, I I, I know I'm many, many, many hours late to this flight. I know it was at 9 a.m., but it's now 9 p.m., but I think I'm still going to go to the airport, and I'm going to really hope that that plane waited for me. I'm really going to hope that that plane, in Jesus' name, is going to be on that runway waiting for my seat. It's going to be right there for me. When that time expired and those the gates closed i hate to tell you this but hope was gone because time expired or maybe i have some crazier people in church and it's the football fans and you know those seasons where the dolphins are losing You're a pastor that's every season well Not this season, I know, I know. They're undefeated. Technically, yes. But you know those seasons that the Dolphins are down by so many points and there's a minute left on the clock? You know, my mom's a big football fan and she's sick right now, so she's not here. But what I don't understand about my mom is that the Dolphins could be down by 30-something points with a minute left and my mom still has faith. And she does the math. Have you ever been guilty of doing the math? And she says, well, if we score three times and make two field goals, and then we we intercept and, and make a conversion, we'll win by one. But when that time hits zero, and the team actually scored another... Touchdown. Hope is gone. My point is this, church. There's something about expired time that gives us a sense of hopelessness. Amen? A voice that tells you it's over. It's never going to change. It's been too long. Time has run out. What a picture of Martha. See, Martha is allowing expired time to cause her to have lost faith in Jesus. Let me explain why Martha is so discouraged and why she's lost faith, even though Jesus said he's not going to die. This will not end in death. He's going to rise. But Martha did not believe it. Here's why. Jewish history tells us with some documents that we have that during that time that Jesus was there, there were many rabbis and teachers falsely teaching that when a person dies, their soul remains in their body for three days. And that gave people hope that they could rise again, get better again. But when Lazarus was dead for four days, that was an indication that there was no coming out of this, that time had expired, that nothing's gonna happen, it's over, it's done, he's dead. And maybe, just maybe, Martha falsely believed That three days was a time where something could happen. Something could change. But after four days, time had run out. It was over. It was hopeless. That means that when Lazarus was sick, she believed. That's why she sent someone out to go get Jesus, because in faith, she said, all we need is Jesus. Go get Jesus and tell him Lazarus is sick. And while he was sick, Martha must have been saying, listen, it's going to be okay, everyone. I already sent word to Jesus. And Jesus even said it's not going to end in death. And she had such faith and courage. And maybe even when Lazarus died, and it was three days, she said, okay, I know he's dead, but maybe he's going to rise. Maybe he's going to come out of this. But after day number four, when time expired, She gave up. She lost faith. Her hope was cut off. She said it's over. She even told Jesus, had you been here sooner, maybe. Had you been here on day one or day two, even day three? But Lord, it's day four and four is over. The clock is dry. There's no coming out of this. It's hopeless, Lord. It's too late. She's mad. Because she said, Had you been here sooner? And I wonder today how many of you are wishing God did things in your life sooner? than later. Why not now? Why didn't you show up when I needed you? Why didn't you change this when I wanted you? She's so honest with Jesus that I love how the King James Version puts it in verse 39. I love this. He said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time it stinketh. I love that word, don't you? It stinketh. Maybe some of you here this morning are saying to the Lord, Lord, my life stinketh right now. This situation stinketh. This person I'm married to literally and emotionally stinketh, Lord. I'm tired of my life and my stinketh life. But this is what she tells Jesus. You should have been here sooner. It's too late now. This stinks. God's timing Stink We don't understand God's timing. You won't understand why God doesn't do things in your schedule. But church, God's timing will sometimes stink. If you're a good Christian, you say things like, God's timing is perfect. God is never late, never early, but always on time. God is good all the time. What good Christians I have a yeah. But I want to preach to my real people. That's want to tell Lord, sometimes Lord, I know your timing's perfect. I know you're on time. I know you're good all the time. But if I can be real like Martha, Lord, if I can be honest without being judged and killed, Lord, your time stinketh. Can I get a witness this morning? Sometimes God's timing stinks. I look at my beautiful wife, and I say, Lord, you're tiny I things. I wish I would have met her years ago. And God reminds us, oh, that's illegal, buddy. he would have gone to jail. <laughs> I found out this week. It was crazy because we're, we're during the September 11th and all the memorials. I was like, yeah, I remember where I was. I was in college. I was 18 years old. And she goes, I was in second grade. And I was like, oh, let's never talk about that again. That's not, you know, but it's true. God, God's timing sometimes, you know. <laughs> where was I going with that? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, just bragging that I have a young hot wife. That's what I was doing. All right. Anyway, God's timing, it stinks. And if you don't believe that, look at the Bible. Look at Noah. It rained for 40 days, but no one talks about the year. He had to sit in that boat with his family and drift. Not knowing where he was going. For a whole year, God was silent. For a whole year, God didn't say, hey, by this time next year, I'm going to open up these doors and there's going to be a whole new land for you. Don't worry. God was quiet for a whole year. Some of you can't last three hours on the way to Disney with your family in the car. Imagine one year. You will throw her overboard by now. But God's timing sometimes sinks. Abraham was 75 years old when God promised him he was going to have a child. 75 years old and it would be a hundred, he would be a hundred years old when Isaac would be born. God's timing stinks. Joseph would be in prison and enslaved for 13 years, even though God made him a promise, because God's timing sometimes stinks. And David would be anointed to be king someday, and that someday would happen 15 years later, because God's timing sometimes stinks. It was so bad that sometimes David would write throughout the Psalms, you read it. How long, O Lord? How long must I wait here while my enemies triumph over me, David said? How long must I be slain? How long must I be stuck in this cave? How long, Lord, till you do what you promised? Do you find yourself, church, asking God this question? How long? How long do I have to put up with How long do I have to keep praying? How long? Because, Lord, it stinks. How long do I have to be single, Lord? It stinks. Some of you married people say, How long do I have to be married, Lord? When can I be widowed? Because it stinks. How long do I have to be in this job doing the same thing for the same ungrateful people? Lord, how long do I have to put up with my child's rebellion? Seeing them make bad decisions. How long do you intervene, Lord? How long do I have to be in this trial? How long will I have to be in this season? Lord, how long am I going to have to keep praying and see my prayers go unanswered? See, maybe you're like Martha. You're desperate and waiting for Jesus to show up. You're trying to hold on to His promise. You're trying to believe things are going to get better. But time is telling you it's too late. And you're waiting for Jesus to show up. But He's late. He didn't come the way that you thought He would. Martha must have felt forgotten, betrayed, lied to. Because Jesus said this would not end in death, and it did. But here's the difference. Jesus said this would not end in death, but Martha thought it ended when he died. But let me tell you, or someone here this morning, or maybe you're listening online, what you think is the end may not even be the end for God. And God still has something up his sleeve. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, but, but how long? How many of you are showing your hands if you're waiting on God to do something? I can't tell you the answer to how long. But I'll tell you this, church, God would say this to you right now if you're waiting on him, desperate, and maybe if you're discouraged and you feel like it's over. It's found in Romans 12. 12. He said this to a church. Paul said this to a church in Rome, just like us, a little church. He said, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Look at those three things he them: One, rejoice in hope. Be patient and keep praying. Now, he wrote this to this church because this church was going through some serious trouble. These are people that just became Christians. They were excited about following Jesus. But you know who was not excited about Jesus was the Roman government and the empire. And the emperor Nero hated Christians. And during that time, Rome suffered a severe fire that killed thousands of people. And Nero, the emperor, said, you know what? The Christians did it. Blame them for our destruction. Blame them for our pain. And when Nero blamed the Christians for this massive fire, Christianity was the most hated religion at that time, just like now. And if you were a Christian, there was a target on your back. So the whole city of Rome would grab Christians and kill them on the streets. If you were a Christian, you were arrested and you were thrown to be fed by lions. If you were a Christian, no one would sell to you. You could not work. If you were a Christian, everyone spit on you and hated you. If you were a Christian, you lost friends. You lost family, you lost children, you lost your spouse, because there was severe persecution. It was so disgusting and so bad that the Emperor Nero, when he would throw these amazing, lavish garden parties, he would grab Christians and use them as lanterns by burning them alive to light up the whole garden at night. And you can imagine as Nero was there with his all his friends and they were there partying and all these Christians were hanging as lanterns burning alive. They would just be laughing at it and the church would tell God, What are you doing God? What are you thinking Lord? How long do we have to put up with this? And they wanted to ask Paul, Paul, what do we do? What are we going to do? This isn't fair. Why isn't God stepping up and doing anything? Have you ever felt like that, church? And Paul would write this letter. In Romans 12, 12, put it up one more time. Rejoice. Be patient. And pray. Let's talk about these three things. Because this is exactly what Jesus did during the time of Lazarus' death, and I want to prove it to you. Number one, rejoice. That word rejoice means to be glad. Now, who in their right mind is going to be glad because of their problems? No one. I believe you'd be lying to yourself Or even a hypocrite, if you would say, no, I'm always glad, even when I have trouble. I'm just glad. I'm so glad I lost my job. I'm so glad I have cancer. I'm so glad I'm going through a divorce. I'm so glad. No one's glad in trouble. So why why would Paul even write to this church, be, be glad and rejoice? because you're not rejoicing. You're not glad because of the problem. You're rejoicing and glad because of who God is. That even when you go through trouble, God is still in control. Even when you go through crisis, God is still sovereign. Even though you're going through trouble that you can't even imagine how you're going to get out of, God still has a plan. You can rejoice in the Lord always, the Bible says, because you know that not only is this trouble developing your faith, but God is still on the throne. And that is why you can rejoice and rejoice in hope, the Bible says. And I know your situation might look hopeless. You may feel like you're hopeless, but we have to understand what the word hope literally means in the Bible. The word hope is the expectation that something better or good is going to come. So when you have hope, you're saying it's not good right now, but I believe something good is coming. How is it that you have hope in a world filled with trouble? You take your eyes off the trouble, and you put them on God, and you realize that God is good all the time. He is still in control. Rejoice and be glad. Look at verse 14. What did Jesus do when Lazarus died? He says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is what? He's dead. And for your sakes, I'm what? I'm glad. What? Yeah. Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I imagine all of them, oh no, oh my God, it is terrible. Oh, Lazarus, why? Why? And God, Jesus looks at him and oh, I'm glad. I would have said, wow, that's kind of disrespectful. It's kind of cold. Heartless. But Jesus wasn't glad because Lazarus was dead. Jesus was glad because he knew that God was going to get glory from this. And God was still in control. And this was not the end. And God had the last word. Am I preaching to someone here this morning that the devil has lied to you, that it's over, it's hopeless? You need to tell that devil, you know why I can still be glad? Because I still have God. And my God is still in control. And my God still reigns. And my God has the final word. And glory is going to come out of this. That's how you get hope and gladness when you're going through trouble. Romans 12, 12 says, be glad. And rejoice. But here's a tough one. Be patient. How many of you right now say, oh, I got that? Be patient. If you live in Miami, you're like, what's that? Patience is a virtue demonstrated by God that many Christians have failed to live out. Jesus demonstrates patience. Look at verse 4 with me. The Bible says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will get glory from this.' So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, the Bible says that Jesus would wait to mourn him. Church, let's think about this for a minute. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. Jesus knows that he's a healer. Miracle work, as Frankie said. Jesus knows if he goes right now, this moment, he can reach him on time and save his life. But God the Father said no. Wait. Wait. Wait until I tell you to do. Jesus waited two more days. Even though he was only 20 miles away. It would have taken Jesus just half a day to get there. But he waited. In obedience, he waited. some of you are in the trouble you're in because in disobedience, you couldn't wait. But he waits. Can you imagine the disciples? Jesus, did you hear? Yeah, I heard. Lazarus is sick. I know. We got to go there now. We, we have time. Let's go. Let's go heal him. Jesus, you can fix this. Let's go right now. Vamos, vamos. Get everything. Let's go. And Jesus says, no. No. I'm going to wait. And the disciples must have been like, wait. Wait for what? No. We need this now. If not, it's going to be too late. You got to do something now. And Jesus said, no. We got to wait. Jesus was under all this pressure. Do it now. It has to be now. We got to go now. It's like when people tell you, why are you still single? You got to be married now. You're almost 30. You're almost 40. Why are you still in that job, in the same position? You got to get promoted. You got to move up in the ladder. Let's go. We got to go now. Have you realized how rushed everyone is lately? We've lost patience. Waiting is something we don't really preach or practice anymore in the church. Look at the world we live in now, so rushed. Everything has to be now, an instant an instant gratification, and we have to go now, and you look at the world around us. You hop in your car. How many people can't stay on one lane for more than five minutes? They have to be like, everywhere. Maybe that's you. I'm coming to church. And then the light goes green. Ah, hurry up. It's been on for like three seconds. Yeah, I'm preaching to you, but that's my father in law. He's about the whole Hernandez clan. When Pastor David drives with his lovely family on his wife's side, three backseat drivers. Cookie in the mirror, go, go, you're clear, go, like it's NASCAR. <laughs> Speed up, you're in front of the bus. Why are you in front of the bus? You should have seen that bus a long time ago. And I'm just trying to just casually get there alive, on time, worshiping. Let's pray for the Hernandez family right now. Let's pray. <laughs> We're so rushed. But Jesus waited. You may be in a place where you're waiting for Jesus to show up. You're waiting for God to show up in a situation that hasn't changed. If it hasn't changed, keep waiting. And learn from it. You're waiting for the right one. Keep waiting because there's nothing worse than the wrong one right now. Waiting on God to answer prayers. You're waiting on God to change an individual. When is this person going to come to Christ? Keep waiting. Keep being an example. Keep evangelizing. Church, even God waited. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty. The earth was void. And God spoke a word and said, let there be light. And there was light. And he stopped. He waited for the next day. He waited for the next day. Let me say it one more time. He waited for what? The next day. Could could God not have spoken one word and created everything at once? Of course. Why didn't He do it? Because He's teaching us that He's a God of order. If God would have created fish first and then the ocean, every fish would have been dead. God created everything in its time even relationship, and it's time. He waited, spoke, and it happened. He waited, he spoke, and it happened. Let me tell you something. God's going to put you in a season of waiting, and all he has to do is speak, and you're out of it. That's what he's teaching Lazarus and Martha and Mary. You're in a season of waiting, Martha, but when I show up and I speak, Lazarus, come forth. Just like that, your waiting's gonna end. And everything's gonna change. It takes one moment for God to open up a door to change your life forever. It takes one moment for God to get you out of that circumstance. But church, you have to wait. Martha could do nothing! But wait. If you want disorder in your life, rush God. And do it now. If Noah would have said, Lord, I've been in there for almost six months, eight months, nine months, it's almost been a year. You know what, God? I'm just going to open this door myself. The flood would have come to him. The ship would have gone under. Him and his family would have drowned. Abraham was a God. It was a man that God promised. A child at 75. That timing stunk. Even for Abraham, God was taking too long, 25 years. It's crazy to wait on God. What did he do? He slept with his servant to create a baby. You know what he told God? Your timing is not right, Lord. I'm going to take time into my own hands. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do it myself. And now, because of this decision, look at the consequences we're even living today in the Middle East. Joseph was in prison for 13 years. While he was in prison, he was talking to another prisoner that he was about to be released to go into Pharaoh's kingdom. And Joseph said, hey, hey, buddy, hey, do me a favor. When you go see Pharaoh, would you tell him about me? Would you remind him about my gift? Would you remind him about how talented I am and how I can interpret dreams? And would you help me get out of here? And you know what God did? Joseph, you're trying to promote yourself. You're trying to network and get off of this yourself. I'm going to put you there two more years. For all my networkers, and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Listen to me. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do is wait. And wait. And while you wait, The Bible says, though Mary and Martha were loved by Jesus, He waited. If you're waiting, you're saying, well, did God forget about me? Does God even love me right now? God didn't have to throw that in there in the Bible, but He made it clear to them. I love Mary and Martha, and I made them wait." If you're waiting on God right now, let me just remind you that God loves you. His timing is not an indication that you're not worthy, that he's punishing you, that he's angry with you, or that he's forgotten you. Those are strict lies from the enemy. He loved them, but listen, sometimes it doesn't look like love when God has you waiting. But not only does God demonstrate that he waits and he's a God of order, But I want you to remember this truth about God. Three truths about God. About God when you're waiting. They all start with P. I helped you out. Ready? God has a plan. Say that with me. He has a plan. He has a plan. He has a purpose for that plan. Thank you, Kevin. He has a purpose for that plan. And everything that happens. In your life, because of that purpose, for His plan is perfect. He has a perfect plan, perfect plan on purpose. That was perfect plan on purpose. So I can wait. I can wait. And I'll close with this, one. Verse 41 and 43. So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe me. Going back to Romans 12, 12, Jesus would demonstrate what God told the church in Rome. Rejoice, be glad, and hope, knowing that something better is coming. Amen? Be patient. Wait. I know it stinks. I know you think I'm late. I know it doesn't seem like I love you. Everything I have in your life is perfect for my purpose and my plan. So wait, and in trouble. How many say, Pastor? I'm in trouble. You've come to this church in trouble. Martha and Mary were in trouble. Lazarus was in trouble. He says, "Keep praying. Keep praying." Notice that Jesus, when he got to the tomb, he looked up. He looked up. And he said, Lord, I thank you that you hear." here. He looked up. Why did Jesus look up? Why couldn't he just say that? Why did he look up? Because he's teaching us the power of, Jesus was talking to God right there and then. That's prayer. And he looked up to demonstrate what prayer does. Prayer takes your focus off your trouble and puts your focus on an almighty God. And he thanked him and said, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. Do you realize, church, we serve an almighty, all-sovereign, powerful God right now that is listening to you that's prayer you pray you say lord i'm in trouble you'll say i hear you lord i need you i hear you lord this stinks i hear you i hate this lord i hear you lord help me i hear you i hear you And he prayed. When was the last time you really prayed? Took your eyes off the trouble and the mess of life and put them on an almighty God that you claim to serve and say, Lord, I just want to thank you that right now, at my worst days, you are still here in control, listening to my cry. He hears you when you're desperate. He hears you when you're lonely. He hears you when you've given up. He hears you when time has expired. And in verse 23 and 24, Jesus shows up to Martha. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Can we give God praise for this right now? He said... Your brother will rise. What if God is looking at you right now because you've been waiting and you're hopeless and defeated and He's saying to you, it will change. It will get better because I said so. He will rise. But oh, Martha had to talk. And Martha said, he will rise with everyone else rises at the last days. Martha, Martha, Martha. We are just like her. Martha, Jesus shows up. She don't care. Yeah, you're late. Should have been here sooner. It's thanks Jesus said he's going to rise. I know, in heaven, when we're all dead and gone. He spiritualizes me, And we make this mistake that Mark made. Some of you, you're waiting, thinking that your best days are when you're in heaven. You ever talk like that? You say, oh, when we're all in heaven in glory, thank God, no more sickness, no more pain. Constant joy. I can't wait to be in heaven. But until then, I'm gonna be miserable on earth. That's Martha. Oh I know he's gonna rise in heaven. In heaven is gonna be amazing. I can't wait to be in heaven. But until we're there, Jesus, life speaketh. And I'm just gonna complain and I'm gonna be negative and I'm gonna be busy. And I'm going to be rushed and I'm just going to say how everything's stinking. And I'm just going to wait to be to heaven in heaven to be happy. But Jesus said this when he prayed, on earth as it is where? In heaven. Church, here's my point. Don't wait to die to declare then you'll be joyful and happy. Jesus says, I want you to live on earth like it is in heaven. And if you think heaven is the only place where you're going to have peace, you are sadly mistaken. You have peace here on earth because Jesus is here right now. Stop saying, stop talking like that. Oh, we're going to wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to be with Jesus. Listen, Jesus is with you now. Don't wait for him if it stinks. It stinks. And all we do is complain. It stinks. And we have forgotten, like Jesus, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Lord, I thank you. When was the last time in the midst of all your trouble you had a reason to thank God? But all we do is this stinks. This is bad. This is terrible. I hate this. This sucks. tough. Listen. Stop telling God how bad everything stinks and be more grateful that he's with you. Because there are some people outside of this church that have a stinky life that don't even have Jesus. Talking about this economy stinks. Everything's so expensive, it stinks, I get it. But can't you say, Lord, I thank you that in this stinky economy, I still have your provision. I still have a job. It may not be the best job. I may be pressing through paycheck to paycheck, but I thank you, Lord, for your provision. That's why you can be glad in your trouble because of who God is. Rejoice, hope, be patient, and pray. Let's all stand to our feet today. Give God some praise today. Come on. Tonight, I want to open up this altar today. Come up, guys. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need to pray a serious prayer. You're waiting on God for something. If you need prayer, come up right now. I think everyone should be up here now. We're all waiting on something. You're waiting. Keep waiting. But wait in hope. Hope that something good is coming from this. Yeah, your life stinks. I get it. But you have a God that's with you. Isn't it amazing that when that tomb opened up, nothing stunk about it? Because maybe God is getting ready to prove you wrong, that your life doesn't stink the way you think it does. Time to wait on the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning in church. I'll tell this church what Paul told the church in Rome. Rejoice. And hope. Right now, in Jesus' name, something good is coming out of your life. Don't let the devil rob you of that and cause you to live another day of hopelessness. Be patient and wait. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe you feel like time has expired, but time is in the Lord's hands and He has the last word. And pray. Pray right now and say, Lord, I look up to you as Jesus looked up. And Lord, let's try something different this morning. Instead of bringing your trouble to the Lord right now that he is already very much aware of, would you come to this altar and just thank him for something? Would you say thank you? Just thank him right now. And when your life stinks, God is still good. Something good is coming from what you're going through. And you can experience heaven here on earth right now. You don't have to wait to die and be in heaven to say, I have peace now. I have joy now. I can worship now. You can worship and have peace and joy right now on earth as it is in heaven when you remember and look up to a God that says, not only do I hear you, but I'm going to do something about it. Father, in the name of Jesus and no other name, I pray for every person here physically in this church or online right now that is waiting upon you. Father, we wait upon you with great expectation and hope that something mighty is coming from all of this Lord and right now we're in a season where it stinketh Lord and we don't understand why you haven't moved why you haven't done it yet and we wait here with great expectation knowing that you love us in spite of what we're going through right now and Father, in Jesus' name, we look up to you because you are on the throne in heaven and you are in control right now, Father. You have the last word, the last say of our circumstances. And it may look like it's over for us, but it is not over till you say it's over, Lord. And even when it is over, Lord, you have something else right ahead of us. But Father, we surrender to you and ask you to forgive us for being like Martha complaining and rushed and busy, thinking everything stinks, Lord, when you are getting ready to do a mighty miracle. And in the name of Jesus, declare with your mouth now, church, my miracle is on the way because Jesus was on his way to that tomb where Lazarus was dead. And I am prophesying this morning to someone that right now it is dead and is hopeless, but in Jesus' name, he is on the way. So wait, be still and wait in Jesus' name. Come on, amen and amen. Come on, come on, give God some praise this morning in the house of God.